On a tense October day in 1593, a soldier named Gil Perez guarded the Spanish colonial palace in Manila, Philippines. The Spanish official who ruled the region had just been assassinated and more danger could strike at any moment. Perez did his best to remain alert, keeping a close eye on passers-by. Maybe it was the heat or the weight of responsibility on him. But as the day went on, he couldn't help but feel a little worse for wear. Suddenly, Paris became very dizzy. He blinked and steadied himself as exhaustion swept over him. Maybe a quick break would help him regain his focus. So he leaned against the wall and shut his eyes. Within seconds, he was asleep. A short while later, Paris snapped to attention. He hoped no one had seen him dozing off or he'd risk being fired. He hastily looked back and forth, but something was different. His surroundings looked nothing like Manila. He was in the middle of a large plaza. All around him, people hawked goods and food. Paris stopped a passerby and asked where they were. The stranger gave him a puzzled look and told him he was in Mexico City. The guard's face turned white. Though he'd only fallen asleep for a few seconds, Perez had woken up halfway around the world. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first and only episode on teleportation. For hundreds of years, people have reportedly vanished only to reappear later in a different location. But in recent years, scientists began working with the concept and running experiments on teleportation. Today, we'll examine a few accounts of the phenomenon, then dive into the science and complexities of the process. We'll explore the latest breakthroughs and highlight a recent lab test where researchers successfully teleported information in the blink of an eye. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. Come on, 
New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Hello, lover of things that go bump in the night. This is Dan Cummins, and I'm Lindsay Cummins, and we co-host the paranormal horror podcast Scared to Death. Are shadow people real? What about demonic possessions? poltergeist activity do you believe in ghosts malevolent entities are aliens real could you be abducted we don't know but what we do know is that we have over 230 episodes of stories on our podcast scared to death exploring all of the possibilities each week we share several supposedly true stories that have been gathered from around the world and submissions from our own fans of allegedly true tales curious about the paranormal just like a spooky story do you need more fear to fuel you through your long work days come join us new episodes of Scared to Death are released every Tuesday night. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you end up scared to death. While boarding a plane or sitting in traffic, you've likely fantasized about the possibility of teleportation at least once. The ability to jump from one place to another in the blink of an eye would make a world of difference. In the 1960s, science fiction shows like Star Trek popularized the idea, especially when Captain Kirk would famously order his crew to, quote, beam me up. And in the Harry Potter universe, wizards and witches have the power to disapparate from one spot and reappear in another. In real life, supposed accounts of teleportation date back hundreds of years. Take Spanish soldier Gil Perez. According to legend, he stood guard outside the palace in Manila, Philippines in October 1593. The governor general had just been assassinated, which meant Perez was on high alert for more violence. Until a sudden dizzy spell overtook him and he fell asleep. When Perez woke up, he found himself in an unfamiliar plaza. A stranger told him they were in Mexico City, which was, at the time, the capital of New Spain. Perez was still in Spanish territory, but over 8,000 miles from the Philippines, and he'd somehow gotten there in a matter of seconds. Perez told anyone who'd listen that he'd been in Manila mere moments ago. Most people laughed or looked at him like he'd lost his mind. It was nearly impossible to explain his predicament, not just because it was so unbelievable, but because there wasn't a word for what he claimed had happened. For context, the term teleportation wouldn't be coined until the 20th century. Eventually, he garnered attention from the local authorities and was brought in for interrogation. The soldier answered every question thrown at him, who he was, where he'd come from, and what he'd been doing when he disappeared. He also kept emphasizing that the governor general of the Philippines was dead. Supposedly, the assassination had only happened the day before, so no one in New Spain knew about it yet. They had no way to confirm if his story was true. He could have been making everything up, 
So Perez was sent to the religious authorities who didn't look kindly on his story and imprisoned him for being, quote, a servant of the devil. Since technically he hadn't done anything wrong, they never charged him with a crime. Nevertheless, Perez remained incarcerated in Santo Domingo until they could determine his fate. A few months later, a Spanish ship from the Philippines arrived on New Spain's shores. The crew members announced the governor general had been assassinated. It had happened exactly when and how Perez claimed. The New Spain authorities were dumbfounded. It seemed Perez had been telling the truth all along. So he was sent back to Mexico, where a few of the Spanish sailors recognized him from Manila. The officials realized there was no way the sailors could know him unless he actually was in the Philippines at some point. So they let him go. The legend of Hill Perez suggests teleportation may be possible. There doesn't seem to be any other way he could have known about the assassination. Especially because in 1609, a Spanish soldier wrote a book about Spain's colonization of the Philippines. He described the governor general's death and mentioned that following the assassination, boats stopped sailing to New Spain for a period. And yet, rumors about the Spanish official's death somehow spread through New Spain, even though it would have been impossible to get the information that fast. Maybe Hill Perez spread the news. For centuries following Perez's alleged journey, reported instances of teleportation were few and far between. One notable account happened in October 2017, when a 61-year-old South African man named Titeteka Gotsi checked into a hospital 25 miles outside Cape Town. He had an abdominal injury and needed to undergo a significant operation. Afterward, while Gotsi lay in his bed recovering, a nurse attended to him. Then she left to get him fresh sheets. When she returned, the bed was empty. Gotsi had disappeared. Hospital officials searched everywhere for the patient, but they couldn't find him. So they called the police. The authorities scoured the hospital as well, plus all the neighboring grounds, but they had no luck. Almost two weeks later, Gotsi was found dead. His body was in the ceiling. A 61-year-old man wouldn't be able to climb out of bed and hoist himself up there without being noticed. And it would have been especially difficult for Gotsi. According to his family, his surgery made it impossible to walk without assistance. They believed someone must have taken him out of bed and moved him to a different part of the hospital. They suggested Gotsi was a victim of foul play. But it's hard to say who would have done such a thing or why. A South African health department spokesman said officials had no idea how the patient ended up in the ceiling. It was as if Gotsi had teleported. Perhaps he encountered whatever freak natural occurrence randomly transported Gil Perez to Mexico City in 1593. There are numerous stories like Gotsi's. Some people allegedly teleported while investigating strange noises, 
driving through fog, or even jumping into a pool. Though it's tempting to believe these tales, there often isn't physical proof to support them. And there are also almost no alleged instances of human beings deliberately teleporting. But the few accounts of those attempts are shocking. Coming up, a reported government study on teleportation. Greed, revenge, lust. Murder investigations often pinpoint why someone has been killed, but not necessarily who did the killing. Every Tuesday on Unsolved Murders, meet the victims, suspects, and investigators of the most notorious criminal cases in history. Part traumatic podcast, part old-time radio show, Unsolved Murders transports you to the scene of a crime, its ensuing investigation, and every attempt to solve the case. You'll soon discover that the murder isn't always the most shocking part of the story. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Unsolved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. In 1943, the United States was just under two years into war with Germany and Japan. Navy officials inspected every ship to ensure it was equipped with the most modern technology. They also experimented with new devices to get a leg up on their adversaries. Allegedly, they developed some technology that would try to cloak a vessel from radar. But before implementing it in battle, the top brass needed to test it. On October 28th, Navy officials supposedly traveled to the Philadelphia Naval Yard and outfitted the USS Eldridge with this new technology. When the time came, observers at a nearby command post turned on the generator and waited to see if the Eldridge would vanish off the radar. But it did more than that. Witnesses claimed a blue-green glow formed around the hull. Then, quickly, it was gone. Where the 1,000-plus-ton ship had just been, now there was only empty space and water. According to one account, the ship reappeared moments later, not in Philadelphia, but in Virginia's Norfolk Naval Shipyard. Some crew members aboard the SS Andrew Furuseth claimed they saw the Eldridge pop up there before quickly vanishing. Hours later, the ship reappeared in Philadelphia, completely intact and unharmed. The same can't be said for the men inside. According to anonymous sources with alleged access to sealed classified files, a number of men aboard the Eldridge suffered severe nausea and burns. Some even became embedded in the walls and metal structure of the ship, as if their atoms had fused with the vessels. Rumors spread that some crew members were turned inside out or completely disappeared off the face of the Earth. Naturally, the United States Navy denies the ship's disappearance or that the experiment ever took place. For over a decade, the incident was never mentioned in the press. Like the ship, the story seemed to vanish into thin air. 
Then, in 1956, writer and astronomer Morris K. Jessup received a stack of letters from someone named Carlos Miguel Allende. He claimed to be a witness to the events in the Philadelphia Naval Yard on the day of the incident. Ufologist and information scientist Jacques Vallée investigated his account in 1994. Allende told him they were in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, when he saw the Eldridge disappear in the shipyard on October 28, 1943. According to his own claims, he believed it had teleported to Norfolk. Jessup had just published a book about UFOs, so he was no stranger to potentially radical ideas. But even he doubted Allende's story. Nevertheless, he investigated the ex-sailor's tale and quickly determined there didn't seem to be any documentation about the experiment, or even that the vessels were in the shipyards in the first place. According to officials, the Eldridge wasn't even in Philadelphia on October 28, 1943. It was in New York Harbor and didn't sail to Norfolk until November 2nd. And the SS Andrew Furuseth apparently wasn't in Norfolk, Virginia at the time of the alleged incident either. Rather, it left that port three days before the Eldridge reportedly tested the generator. By October 28th, the Furuseth was on its way to Algeria. Allende's claims seemed bogus. Except in 1957, Jessup received a phone call from the Navy's Office of Naval Research. According to Valet's investigation, the office told Jessup they'd received a copy of his book on UFOs in the mail, which was filled with annotations. They didn't know who'd sent it. These margin notes mentioned advanced physics and multiple references to the teleportation incident, and also suggested Jessup was onto a breakthrough about alien technology. At first, Jessup and the naval researchers didn't know what to make of the notes. Maybe somebody was alleging extraterrestrials had something to do with the USS Eldridge's disappearance. When Jessup finally got a look at the annotations, he recognized Allende's writing style. He figured Allende had sent the book and furthered his research into what the Navy could have known about the Eldridge. The Navy wasn't so quick to write it off either. For some reason, they made 127 copies of the text. It's not clear what they did with them, but the fact that they ordered so many reprints suggests they found something valuable in the notes. Perhaps Allende and Jessup had accidentally stumbled onto something huge. Or maybe the book was just a hoax. After making several copies of Jessup's book, U.S. officials officially refuted the incident. That may be because teleportation is believed to be physically impossible. Scientists say a technology like this would need to break down a person's atoms and reassemble them in a new location. For what it's worth, that's exactly how the transporters work in the Star Trek universe. But here in the real world, you can't just make matter blip in and out of existence. Even if you could, you'd have some challenges to overcome. Let's imagine you're trying to teleport your friend Stephen from his bedroom to the garage. 
He, like any other human being, has a staggering number of atoms, 10 to the 28th power or so, depending on his weight. That's a trillion trillion. If you stacked a trillion dollar bills on top of each other, the pile would be more than one-fourth the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Now, do that a trillion more times. To teleport all of Stephen's mass, you'd have to keep track of those atoms while you move them through other molecules in the air, walls, furniture, anything that stands between the bedroom and the garage. When the time comes for reassembly, you'd need some way to tell Stephen's atoms apart from any bits of pollen they floated through, or specks of dust, pieces of drywall, dog or cat dander. The list goes on and on. And we don't have any technology capable of that level of differentiation. Finally, even if the practical and scientific components weren't an issue, there is one major ethical problem with teleportation. The technique may be considered murder. Coming up, the dark side of teleportation. Now back to the story. In science fiction, teleportation is depicted very simply. One second, a person is in a particular place. The next, they're somewhere else entirely, like turning a light switch on and off. The actual process would be much more complicated and violent. For scientists to teleport someone, they'd need to identify and track every single atom in a person's body. And as we mentioned before, there's a whole lot of them. They'd also need to know the atom's quantum state, or its position, momentum, and spin. According to the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle, it's impossible to determine both the position and momentum of a single particle without altering it. In other words, the moment you try to scan information about an atom, you change whatever feature you want to analyze. It's impossible to know the data from before your observation because the act of trying to figure it out alters it. That means scientists can't process the full information about one atom with perfect accuracy, let alone a trillion trillion. Even if they could, they might not want to because of the risks. If scientists reassembled someone with a single atom out of place, the person could suffer severe physical or neurological damage. Or they might become someone else entirely. It may be easier to think of the issues involved via metaphor. Let's look at a popular thought experiment, the ship of Theseus. In Greek mythology, Theseus was a Greek prince and captain of a ship that he sailed around the world on harrowing adventures. After his journey, Theseus's ship was stored in a place of honor in Athens. As time went by, the boat's wood rotted and needed to be replaced. So the Athenians replaced the planks with stronger timber. Over time, every single board had been switched out, so no single inch of the original vessel remained. The question became, was this still the same ship or was it different? We don't know the answer. 
but the same query can be applied to teleportation. Let's imagine scientists decide there's no practical way to move a bunch of disassembled atoms from one location to another. Instead, they use a different method. A person steps into the teleportation device, which scans every single atom in their body. That information would be transmitted to the target location where a device would create an exact copy. It's like sending a fax. The sender and the receiver have identical versions of the original page or person. But teleportation, unlike a fax machine, wouldn't save the original. Instead, the traveler would be broken down and dematerialized. Then, an entirely different set of particles would be assembled elsewhere. They'd look exactly the same and theoretically have the same memories and personality. However, they're not really the same person, but a new human being entirely. If we follow that logic, it suggests the original subject is killed every time they teleport. Doesn't seem worth it, even to skip traffic. Of course, this technology doesn't exist yet, and many experts believe it never will. Especially since, at this time, there's no way to generate the levels of energy required to teleport a human body. For reference, when you walk from your couch to the fridge, you're using energy, which is measured in calories. Assuming your fridge and your couch are a few feet away from one another, you'll probably burn less than one calorie on your stroll. Taking apart the countless atoms in a human body, moving them at the speed of light, and putting them back together again requires an immeasurable amount of energy. Think a 26 followed by 41 zeros. That's how many calories it would take. Currently, no technology exists that can generate enough power. Still, many inventions began with a baby step. And while scientists aren't capable of transporting a trillion trillion atoms, they may be able to handle one. In 1935, Albert Einstein and two of his fellow scientists, Boris Podolsky and Nathan Rosen, proposed it was possible to link two particles to each other so they'd function as one. Think of it like introducing two single friends to one another. If they hit it off and start dating, they become one couple, even though they're still two people. If you tell one friend a secret, the other will likely learn it from their partner. If you insult one, the other will get angry on their behalf. It's a bit like they function as one. Except in this case, these were atoms, not a couple. But if scientists did something to one atom, both would immediately react in the exact same way. Einstein called this idea spooky action at a distance. No matter how far the particles are from one another, they'll still be connected, and they react to stimuli in unison, like they're sharing their reactions across great distances instantaneously. Hypothetically, information could even travel between atoms faster than the speed of light, which the scientists thought was otherwise impossible. However, in 1964, physicist John Bell claimed the spooky action theory was actually a fact. 
To test it, he developed a theorem called entanglement. Like Einstein, Podolsky, and Rosen, Bell also proposed that two particles would be linked no matter how far apart they were in space. He conducted experiments that proved his entanglement theory was a fact, and spooky action at a distance became a reality. In 1993, physicists Asher Peres and Charles Bennett, with an international team of six scientists, published a theoretical study on a new process known as quantum teleportation. Unlike human teleportation, Peres and Bennett were working with something much safer, the transmission of information across space. And with information, you can copy it infinite times without killing anyone. Of course, the theoretical process wouldn't be easy. Remember, according to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, it's impossible to observe a particle without altering its quantum state. And scientists didn't know how to measure a photon or atom. So Paris and Bennett came up with an elegant solution to the problem, one that involved Alice, Bob, and Charles. No, Alice, Bob, and Charles weren't three friends of theirs. They were actually the nicknames given to Adams. Alice was the first, and Bob the second. Charles, the third, was like a messenger who relayed information between them. And here the science gets sticky, so we're going to use a loose metaphor to explain what's going on. Let's say you're Bob, and you live in an apartment between Alice and Charles. You've never met your neighbors, but you know a little about their cooking skills because you can smell the food they prepare. Alice is an amazing baker. Every night, your homes are filled with the scents of fresh-baked apple pie or gooey chocolate cakes. Meanwhile, Charles is pretty terrible in the kitchen. He's always burning dinner, setting off fire alarms, and making his part of the building smell like smoke. You want to help Charles out, so one day you knock on Alice's door and ask if she's willing to share her recipes. She's happy to do so, and you walk away with every baking tip she knows. When it comes to cooking ability, you and Alice are the same now, because you know all her tricks. The next day, you drop by Charles's place and you share Alice's recipes with him. He's thrilled with the new information, and that night he bakes the sweetest-smelling pastry you've ever sniffed in your life. You, Alice, and Charles all have the exact same baking methods, even though Charles and Alice never met. That's not a perfect description of what happens on the quantum level, but it gets the broad strokes right. See, when scientists observe Alice, they'll alter her quantum state. But they could apply entanglement to Bob and Charles, introduce Bob to Alice, and observe her without observing Charles. He'd take on her spin, momentum, and position. It's the atomic equivalent of giving Alice's recipe books to Bob so they both have the same abilities in the kitchen. When you try Bob's pie, you know what Alice's is like without meeting her. But first, Paris, Bennett, and the team introduced Charles to Bob, linking them to be one and the same. 
After Bob gets all of Alice's cookbooks and abilities, Charles becomes an exact copy of Alice. Like when Bob gave Charles Alice's recipes in our earlier example. For all intents and purposes, Bob had carried Alice's quantum state to Charles and a new Alice was created. Information had been teleported from one atom, Alice, to another, Bob. While this sounds like a lot of steps, it actually happens extremely fast. Researchers could transport quantum states across space in almost the blink of an eye. At first, researchers teleported atoms that were just over a meter apart. But in 2017, scientists in China teleported a photon to a satellite as far as 1,400 kilometers above Earth. That's over 800 miles away. That's impressive research, but in the grand scheme of things, all of this might seem inconsequential. After all, teleporting a single atom or photon at a time is a far cry from a human being. However, quantum teleportation could bring humanity across a new technological frontier and change the way we send and receive information. This may even usher in a new era of supercomputers. New technologies based on these findings could potentially help create new medicines, or they may assist in the development of advanced artificial intelligence. And because of entanglement, these supercomputers would be theoretically impervious to hacking, even from the most advanced cyber criminals. That fact alone has inspired countries and corporations to seek out what's known as quantum supremacy, when a computer can perform traditionally impossible tasks in computing. Google, Microsoft, Intel, and IBM are all actively developing the technology. And the Chinese government recently spent $400 million on research alone. Not to be outdone, in 2018, the United States Congress passed the National Quantum Initiative Act, which allocated $1.2 billion to quantum computing research. Clearly, this technology is the next great frontier, both for businesses and for the safety of nations. As of now, human teleportation remains a long way off. But each day, scientists edge closer to the next great landmark. Maybe they'll keep making incremental progress until they unlock the secrets of the phenomenon. Or perhaps we'll make one major breakthrough that unlocks everything, and like a literal teleporter, leap into the future in the blink of an eye. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. 
Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Wendelin Sobroso and Angela Jorgensen, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Josephine Cahew, recorded by Freddie Rivera, produced by Bruce Katovich, and sound designed by Michael Motion. Our hosts are Richard Rossner and me, Molly Brandenburg. Lack of evidence, poor police work, clever criminals. Whatever the reason, some murders remain unsolved. Every Tuesday, Unsolved Murders explores the facts of a real-life cold case. Part dramatic podcast, part old-time radio show. Join the ensemble cast of actors as they take you on an exhilarating journey through the crime scene and its ensuing investigation. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Unsolved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify.